You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hopson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the big episode 100. We've made it to the century mark, boys, here on Sticks in the Six. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-hosts, Peter and Alex Boys, uh, another big week for Leafs. Um, some late games this week is uh, they, they hit that 10 o'clock spin um, through the uh, southwest area of the NHL. Um, but aside from that, gentlemen, before we get into our Leaf talk, let's throw it over to you guys. Alex, how are you doing this week, buddy? Um, I'm not happy with the NHL's decision to schedule the Leafs in their uh, on their Western road trip this week because I'm back at work this week and being back at work means being awake at three 30 in the morning, which means no 10 o'clock hockey games for me. I can usually, I usually can barely even stay up for the, for the seven o'clock games. So that was tough. I, I was looking forward to watching some Leafs hockey this week, but hopefully we'll be able to squeeze in uh, the games on Saturday and Sunday. Um, also, I am putting out a cry for help for people to join my div 10 men's ball hockey team. We've we're on a tough stretch right now, boys. We've lost like four games in a row and every single game that we've lost in that span has been because we just haven't been getting the guys out for ball hockey in a league where you have to keep moving your feet constantly. You can't rely on gliding. You need to have at least two full forward lines and two full defensive pairings. And these last couple of games, we've been running five forwards and three D, which means lots of double shifting. Mm. And I just, you know, we, we came so close in a couple of these games, but we just ran out of gas by the end of it. We didn't have the legs by the, by the third period and the other team just kept putting pressure on. And so we got a lot of games. We got a game tomorrow night, or I guess tonight, by the time this episode's up, uh, got a game on Sunday night, nice little 10 o'clock on Sunday night game. And then, uh, then before we know what playoffs are starting. So putting out the cry for help boys, if either of you guys are free tomorrow night oh, man want to mish down to st Catharines and join join french and fried for a night then be my guest <laughs> I, oh, i'm man. just gonna say this right now i would be winded after one shift oh buddies i am i'm winded <laughs> after one shift and i've been playing this for like over a year now oh man then i i, d- I feel like my joints are gonna crack and break and everything like that hey if i was living the bachelor life i'd be there in a heartbeat i'd uh, <laughs> i'd be i'd have the uh, i'd have the beer can cap on you'd be and, and you'd be top You'd be tossing the hip checks, eh? That's right. You know it. You know it. I'd be low. I'd be lowering the body for sure, for sure. But uh, Peter, how you doing this week, buddy? I could just imagine Forbes walking in the room, just like he's Shorzy, just like owning the place. You know? Um, oh God. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Obviously, you know the late games. I'm not a big fan of the most. I could say up till is probably the start of the second period, especially for games like this. I absolutely hate it. But then again, you know. We got to just deal with it and suck it up. But you know what? Uh, For the first time in like ever, I'm like dressing up for Halloween. Can any of you guys guess what I'm going out as? Eddie Munson. Teletubby. Oh, man, I wish I had a Teletubby outfit. You're going Um, as Eddie Munson, aren't you? uh, I'm not Eddie Munson, but I found a wig because to get like the jacket with all the patches and everything would be too much. So I'm just going as uh, Mike with the Hellfire Club tee. Just get a wig, black pants and everything like that. So you know what? I, I I got something going on. And you know what? Good thing I bought that shirt at Fan Expo because I was waiting to buy one. And I'm part of that Hellfire Club right now. So bam, Stranger Things, let's go. 
My girlfriend mm-hmm. and I are going as uh, as Cupid and her victim this weekend for a couple of parties, and I don't know. She we 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 her original plan was to do the fake the fake arrow, but I'm starting to think she might actually shank me in the gut because I told her that my I, I'd be running a little late to the party because of my game tomorrow night. So <laughs> she, oh, if man. I don't win, man, if I don't win, man, and I showed up late because <laughs> because of that game, who knows? We might be substituting the fake blood for real blood, depending on how it goes. She, mm. She's got a crossbow ready to go just when yeah. you show up at the party. That's right. Yeah, she'll be she'll be eyeing me like a sniper from the picture window in the front seeing me get out of my car across the street that's right that's full on walking dead with the crossbow then i guess right oh oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) um boys it's been it's been a wild one here this week uh our our extra help for child care with the uh with the two little ones now all have covid so oh Oh, man yeah and you know what my father-in-law first time uh my brother-in-law first time vaccinated but uh they all got hit all four of them got hit um, so we're, my wife and I are doing it on our own here. And, um, thankfully, thankfully, uh, we have the experience under our belt. So we know exactly what we're doing. And mm-hmm. I don't mind the late games this week. Cause I'm doing the 2am feeds for, uh, for a little Harlow there. So it's uh, there you go. Great time you're to up sit and and watch some hockey and, and, yeah. and feed the little one, but. You're like, you're, um, you're, you're like when you work on the night shift at like at your part-time job yeah. at the gas station and you're listening to the game on the radio, it's like same, same concepts. One of those commercials, mm-hmm. right, where you see them celebrating it. Everything's yeah. dark in that one lit up window, and they're celebrating <laughs> yeah. the gas station. Yeah, that's exa- you went exactly where I was thinking there. Oh yeah, but boys, uh, there's been a lot happening for the uh, Leafs this week. Obviously, a lot of LTIR talk with Jake Muzzin going on LTIR. Um, obviously, there's rumors swirling about who they could use the five plus million on to uh, bring in some support, um, and then obviously. Timothy Lilligren and Jordy Ben getting back into the Marlies lineup for a conditioning stint and they looked pretty good, but let's, let's kick it off with Muzzin and, and what that means for this, uh, this leaf team. And, and Peter, we'll throw it to you first. Muzzin's thrown on the LTIR about 5.6 million in cap spaces opened up. Obviously that could change with uh, you know, depending on when Murray gets back, that's going to be going to be a factor as well. There's no timeline on Muzzin's return, but um, there is a possibility that the Leafs could make some moves and, and get some support. What are your thoughts on uh, one, obviously Muzzin going on the L- LTIR, but two, the fact that, uh, you know, maybe there might be some help on the way. Yeah, I think it was inev- inevitable. I think after that hit, you got the sense, especially from Mitch Marner's comments, how he was already thinking about his family and you're already thinking worst case scenario. Like, is he done for the season? Like, is he contemplating early retirement? Obviously we don't know about that, but you have to think that, you know, this is his third head, his third injury involving like, you know, the head and neck area in the span of a, like what, since February, he's got two concussions and the neck injury that to me spells, you know what? Rest up, take as much time as you need to get back. But at the same time, he's a key factor and you need to, fill a spot right away. So if you need to make a move to fill that void for Muzzin, go right ahead and do it because again, you don't know for sure what his timeline is. And that's the main factor. It's not like a, you know, four week absence. It's not a one to two month thing. You don't know when he's going to come back. That sort of plays in the fact that, you know what, you put him on LTIR, you have the ability to make a move. And if, and if so, maybe you try, if you know exactly what's going on with him, do you try to move on that contract right away and try to bring in some more help? Cause automatically you're, that's probably going to go down to like four point, 
or with his 5.6 on LTIR, you obviously got Timothy Lilligren coming back. So that's cap space is going to go down, but you still have a lot of wiggle room left in order to make a move. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know what? I even said this when the news came out that he was on LTIR. I wanted him to be healthy this year because when he's healthy and on his game, he's the one of the absolute toughest defensemen to go up against. But now with this, you got to think about yourself first. You got to think about your family too. And obviously you don't want to like, you know, say mustn't retire because, you know, we need the extra cap space. No, retire if you need to, because you have a lot to live for, for your family and everything like that. One more year at 5.625. Um, if he's able to come back, great. If not, then you know what? Kyle Dewis needs to start working that phone right now because you need to fill that hole on the fence. And what you're seeing right now defensively from the Maple Leafs is just not going to cut it. So you need to make a move and make a major change if you know for sure he's going to be out for the long term. Yeah, Alex, I mean, that's that's a fair amount of uh, that's a fair amount of cap space that opens up, especially with, uh, you know, Murray's Murray's on the LTIR right now. You've got Muzzin on the LTIR. Now you do have some reinforcements coming up in Lilligren and Ben, as we, as I mentioned, both got into the Marley's lineup uh, last night against Syracuse um, and, and looked fairly good. Lilligren had an assist that both had a shot. And uh, while Ben was even Lilligren was plus one. Now with those, those guys in mind, the fact that you have those reinforcements do we see the Leafs make a move with Jake Muzzin on the LTIR? Boys, I'm sorry. I was kind of glued to my phone for a lot of that segment. I was overworking the uh, sticks in the six insider desk and I working on obtaining the details of a trade breaking news live on the pod. Uh, not leaf related though, um, um, but it could, it could wow. involve the Leafs in the long run. We'll see. It's uh, Canucks and Bruins have made a trade. Jack Stanika believed to be involved. So Wow. Mm. You got to wonder if maybe that's Nils Hoaglander going the other way or something like that, which I hope it isn't because fuck the it Bruins. Would, <laughs> it would make sense because both prospects have been struggling to get into the lineup. Maybe yep. that change of scenery. So that scenery does make sense. Um, anyways, just to get that out of the way. Um, I think that I think we I think we could see the Leafs bring somebody in, but I'm not going to get my hopes up over it because the Leafs have not often made any big trades that involve legitimate salary coming in at this stage of the season, typically. Um, having said that, I do believe that if, if Jake Muzzin does end up on the LTIR for a while and, you know, he's in a position where it looks like it's a far stretch for him to come back until even maybe the end of the year. And at that point, you know, it really depends on whether or not it's worth it. Um, if, if he's going to be out for a while, then I, I don't see why the Leafs wouldn't use that cap space. I mean, you have $5 million opening up and I know we're going to get some guys maybe that we'd like to see the Leafs trade for with that cap space in down the line. Um, later on in the episode, but you know, I think if you're losing Jake Muzzin, as much as he's sort of been a wild card in the past couple of years, and he's you know he's had his times when he's been at his best, like in the playoffs last season, but then he's also had his other times when he's just you know maybe looked like his body's sort of catching up with him. Regardless of what kind of version the Leafs are getting out of Jake Muzzin, when he's not in the lineup they're missing a significant element of that defensive core without him. And, you know, as much as the Leafs with what they've got right now could fill out the cracks and run a defensive core without Jake Muzzin and probably be fine. I do think that down the stretch and towards the playoffs, they would want to add somebody who sort of replicates Muzzin's style of game. And um, like I said, I'm not going to drop any names right now because we're going to get to that later, but 
there are some guys out there, I think, available for trade that the Leafs could that the Leafs could work to get into their um get into their defensive core and maybe get somebody to fill Muzzin's role for a little bit less of a price and maybe a little less little less pressure. So yeah, I mean, if if, if the cap space is opened up, I don't see why they don't do something with that because you know the Leafs are in on it this year, you know, and we, we say this every year, but the stakes have never been higher this year. And if you're not using all the means that you can to improve your team, then you're, you're not doing it right. So I would hope at least that they'd be using that cap space upgrade. Just to go off your breaking news, the Bruins acquired Michael DiPietro, the goaltender and Jonathan Mirenberg from Canucks in exchange for Jack Stidnica. Hmm. So Michael DiPietro would be the main piece in, in my mind, but uh, yeah, interesting, interesting little, ch- trade uh, going down here on a on a lovely Thursday night so with the Bruins in action nonetheless as well so um but yeah no I, I agree with both of you I think right now you got to kind of assess where you're at with Jake Muzzin and and you know see what the possibility is that he does return um at this point I think we said it last year at this point if you're Jake Muzzin you got to take every every day um and just try and get yourself better not for play, coming back to play hockey but just to get to a point where you can enjoy the rest of your life with, with your family and your kids. And, um, you know, he's, he's talked about openly about his, uh, his back injury that, you know, has plagued him his entire life. So, um, you know, with that into account, the fact that this is potentially a neck injury um, and then on top of that, the concussions that he's had over his career, you, you really have to, you know, maybe second guess what's, uh, you know, wh- whether it's worth coming back to the, to the Maple Leafs and to the NHL and playing hockey. And, and if that's the case, then, you know, he walks away, the Leafs, the Leafs uh, have a little bit left on the table and, and they can kind of fill that gap. But, you know, we've talked about options out there, obviously Jake, uh, Jacob Chickren's a guy that, you know, his name is constantly swirling. I know uh, Alex, you did throw out Scott Mayfield as well, which is a name that we brought up last year as well, that, uh, you know, he could be a potentially uh, good filler for the Leafs back end, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of potential out there. Um, Connor Murphy, I've seen his name kind of swirling as well with with uh, you know Chicago where they are. But regardless of what happens, um, you know, I mentioned Lilligren and Ben coming back. Coming back, we saw Lilligren lay a massive hit in the game last night against Syracuse. And I'll throw it to you first, Alex. But you know, how excited are you to get Lilligren in the lineup, and then also to have that potential of a Jordy Ben who you know may not be. A, at Muzzin's level, but he's a guy that can definitely bring that physicality to a back end that, you know, might be missing it a little bit too much. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely excited about Lilligren. I mean, I know you, we talked about that, that play of the two on one of him and uh, him and with the Marlies the other day. And obviously I know he's playing against AHL competition, but let's not forget that he was just in the AHL last year. Like he's not too, too far removed from there. And, you know, it was very encouraging to see him lay a hit like that because I, it's been a long, I don't think I've really ever seen Lilligan throw the body like that. He's not exactly a physical defenseman. So that was a very, you know, this is, this is my ice kind of play. Like he was, you know, denying entry and just looked good all around. So I'm excited to get him back in the lineup. And I hope when he comes back, the Leafs find a way to reunite him with Giordano because that pairing last year was so good for both parties. Like Lilligren's like, I mean, obviously we know what Giordano is capable of doing when he plays with, when he plays with rookies and younger players, but Lilligren helped Giordano look, look good as well. You know, Giordano for a lot of his career has been a guy who rushes the puck and, and brings it up the ice and tries to make plays on the rush and stuff like that. 
but as much as we talk about how this guy ages like a fine wine, you know, the older he gets, the less that his legs are going to be. And as much as he is that puck moving kind of defenseman at this stage of his career, you're not going to be relying on him to do that as much as you would have maybe back in like 2015 or something. So Lilligren being there and being that primary <clears throat> puck moving option has sort of stabilized Mark Giordano. I found, and I really hope that they can get that pairing back together. And as for Jamie Ben or uh, Jamie Ben, Jordy Ben, um, you know, I think it's uh, I think it'll be a nice, it'll be refreshing to have a guy on the back end who can throw the body and, and, you know, getting clear guys out in front of the net. And even if he takes a stupid penalty here and there, you know, I, I got, we, I had a lot of fun watching Ilya Labushkin in that role last year. And, you know, for, for all mm-hmm. of Bush's defense, Bush's uh, defensive casualties and his, his, um, his flaws back there, he was a lot of fun to watch throw the body. So even if Ben doesn't play every day, it will be nice to see him get a game here and there just so we can, we can have that presence filled on the back end. But even, even with him there, I do think that the Leafs are going to go out and try and add somebody with that, same sort of same sort of style, but somebody that can maybe help them out a little more and a little more on a regular basis. Peter, what are your thoughts on uh, the Leafs getting those two back and what it means to the club? Um, well, it's huge, and I'm gonna I'm probably gonna be galaxy braining this because I would love to see Sandine Lilligren as your second pairing and Giordano Mete as your third pairing. And I think you know where I'm going with this. Justin Hall is out because I really liked Mete's stability. No. And obviously when, yeah, <laughs> no surprise, right? Um, given Lilligren's ability to be extremely mobile and he, and the goal that he set up on Danny DeKaiser's or the goal that he set up for Danny DeKaiser, he was extremely active. Like he engaged on the attack, you know, circled around the net, had great patience and just, drew every opposition in to find open his open teammate and the fact that he was able to do that right away and again it is AHL but you know what considering that he hasn't played a game um shows that you know he's got the mobility back he's got the smarts his his well the mobility was always there but the smarts the playmaking and again the physical play the physical play is huge um, I think there were times where we started to see that last season and now we're going to see more of that. I think right now he's going to be a very integral part in that Maple Leafs top four eventually, because if he is consistent with his stint, if he comes up and he plays well in the second pairing role, maybe not put up the points, but he's very consistent with his decision-making that to me alone is going to be great for him. As for Jordy Ben, again, still want to see a bit more because we didn't see a whole lot of him during training camp as well. Um, but then again, the fact that he has that physical edge, you know, the size, the defensive factor, uh, again, may get caught at times because of his uh, mobility and ability to turn around maybe a little bit slow. But you know what? He does have a strong defensive presence in mind. We saw that with Dallas the uh, previously. Um trying to he looked really good with the vancouver uh canucks as well um minnesota wild obviously he got traded from the canucks to the jets but the games that he played with the minnesota wild actually the dallas stars has been years since he played for the dallas stars so scratch that but more recently with the minnesota wild i thought he looked pretty good last season um now now the hope is just that you get consistency because the maple Leafs really need consistency from the back end um but yeah, I, I I think with Lilligren coming into the fold, with Ben providing more depth uh, behind Mete, you should be in a good spot. But at the same time, you need some offense because they need to get that a little bit as well. 
before we go anywhere else, I, can we quickly talk about Andrew Peters um, on the Kiprio show, bringing up uh, the fact that the Leafs should have traded William Nylander for, uh, or to keep uh, Mikheyev and uh, Labushkin this off season. And I say that in that, you know, not only is Nylander leading the team in, in goals, but he's, he's right there in points with seven, uh, seven points through seven games coming off an 80 point season, his career high. And this is a guy who's got a career shooting percentage of 12. Um, <laughs> like, did you guys, you, I assume you guys saw yeah. that. I, this is the first I've heard of it, but um, considering that we're starting to you see got, that power forward game from William Nylander right now that we saw at the world championship. Um, no, I don't think you trade him just to keep Mikheyev or Labushkin. Uh, like Alex said, Labushkin, yeah, he had his def- the defensive deficiencies, but his physical play was there. But you know what? What good is that physical play if he gets caught defensively and he's a little bit slow on the back end on the back check as well? Um, to me, you keep Nylander. And you, the only reason you trade William Nylander is if you're getting a legit, well-rounded top four defenseman. You're not, you're not doing it to keep spare parts. I just enjoyed that video because of watching Justin Bourne's reaction throughout the entire thing. Like if you ever watched the office, it literally looked like it, it looked yeah. like a scene where Jim's listening to Dwight go or Michael go off on one of his tirades. <laughs> you know, he's just sort of sitting there and then he says, um, I would have, you know, I think the Leafs should have kept McKayev. And then he kind of goes like this, like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like maybe sure. And then he goes, you know, I would have traded me later. And then his head pops. He's like, what? <laughs> You, yeah. I'd strongly recommend watching that video when you get the mm-hmm. chance. Yeah. And you know what? This is no insult to our, our guest next week, but I mean, maybe that's why you keep uh, the tough guys out from, from analyzing the game because it just, it, it really wasn't, uh, I mean, not a great, not a great call on his part to trade away a guy who's, you know, potentially top 20 in goal scoring over the last like five years for, for, you know, a, a bottom six and uh you know, a, a bottom pairing defenseman as well. So I don't know. That's just my two cents. And I'm going to go back. The fact that we're seeing some physicality from William Nylander and, you know, stiff arm players to keep him off when he's attacking the net. This is the one time that you're seeing him play with some physicality. I mean, we saw him drive hard to the net, but the fact that he has that physical game right now and you want to trade that away. Like, that's, that's what I mean. Come like, on. And and there was there was a comment made what was it about a week ago, somebody on Twitter saying that, you know, he's still curling away in the corners. And I'm like, he's not Mm. curling away in the corners though. He's still, he's poking the puck and he curls away from the hit a little bit, but so the guy doesn't want to be hit. He still makes plays. You're talking about a guy to play alive. Like the, the fact that we're even sitting here nitpicking it to this point, shows shows how ridiculous it is. Yeah. Honest to God. Like, like, you know what you can, I guarantee you any player in the NHL that plays a similar game style to Willie, whether it's, whether it's like a guy like Patrick Kane, for example, or Nikita Kucherov or whoever, like a guy that is all offense, no physicality. I guarantee you watch them play and you can find the exact same stupid clips and you can dissect them the same amount the way that people do with William Nylander. And then once you point that out, the narrative changes. Yeah, well, those guys have won a round. It's like, okay. Yeah, get a 67. Same thing. (laughs) Get something new. Get something new. I, I wasn't aware, actually. I wasn't. I thought the Leafs had been winning rounds every year. Yeah. I, I mean, you're, you're hundred percent, right? Like, I think people just love to hate him because he was on the Leafs. Um, you know, if he's playing any other, any other for any other team, you're talking about a guy that, yeah, you know what? He doesn't play that physical game as much, but he's consistent and he gets it done. 
Uh, it's the same. It's the same kind of shit that we dealt with 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 Phil Kessel as well, right? Mm-hmm. Except he had a little bit more inconsistency when it came to his scoring, but he played the same game all the time, and he got he got results. Um, and I was on a team that didn't have the star power that you have with the Maple Leafs now. With Nylander, you're talking about a guy who, yes, plays on the power play, but he's playing second line minutes and still a point a game. So, I mean, and I mean, it, it's kind of actually perfect. It kind of goes into our next point of, of that second line between Tavares and, and Nylander and whoever whoever their extra winger ends up being. I mean, um, they've they've kind of had to deal with a few so far this season. But, um, I mean, we're at this point in time, you can almost call this line – the Leafs top line. Um, and, and, you know, obviously when you look at it, Matthews and Marner, they're going to end up being the, the go-to guys in the, in the end, but you've got a guy in Tavares that everyone was cr- criticizing going into the season. Like this guy's done. He's, he's toast. He's, he doesn't have the legs. He doesn't have, you know, and maybe he doesn't have the hands the way that he used to, but I mean, he's having a hell of a season. And, and then you got Nylander as well, which we've just talked about. And, what have you seen, Peter, from the, the second line here that keeping these two together makes complete sense? I mean, no matter what, we're, we're seeing some shuffling of the lines. Kerfoot, I mean, the Leafs are playing tonight in San Jose. Kerfoot's going to be on that first line with Matthews and Marner, at least to start. Um, but in all of that, you're seeing Tavares and Nylander kept together, and it's working. Well, the fact that they're being kept together is a good sign that they're doing something right, right? Um, even last year, when Matthew, obviously Matthews was a little bit late to the party because of his surgery. Mitch Marner wasn't quite, you know, Mitch Marner. And the top line was essentially Tavares, Nylander, and I believe it was Kerfoot at that time too, where they were carrying the load heavily for the Maple Leafs until Matthews and Marner started kicking it up a notch, right? I expect we're going to see that right now, but at the same time, we're not going to see the Tavares and Nylander line tail off like they did towards the end of last season. But I'm gonna. I, I expect to see that consistency and the fact that you know you didn't even when Dennis Morgan was on that wing, you didn't see them take a step back because Tavares and Nylander were still dominant and Morgan was just you know the one not not having the same impact. But having Nick Robertson on there with his energy, compete, um, his ability to get into the corners and battle it out and go to the middle of the ice you're seeing that dominance you're seeing them be assertive in their play and they're just absolutely consistent with what they're doing and the fact that you have that balance and even on that goal against um goal uh goal four for the uh i get when they tied it up against the golden golden knights you see robertson just get into the battle to dig that loose puck, free it up to Tavares, and then give it off to William Nylander. That's the chemistry you want. You want to have players that are making those kind of plays to keep them alive. You're seeing that from Tavares. You're seeing that from Nylander. And you're seeing that now with Nick Robertson. So the fact that they have the work ethic, the energy, and, you know, I I, I, I can't remember the word that the uh, players are using for Tavares, but he's just a, a beast. Like he's being dominant right now. And to all the doubters of John Tavares who are just like, oh, trade him right now, less than a point per game, you know, with 77 and 79 or 76 and 79. You know what? John Tavares is making you eat your words right now because he is back and he is better than ever right now because I haven't seen Tavares be this dominant since the start of last season, but also since his first season 
with the Maple Leafs. And I think right now he's going to post up at least I, I'm maybe 80 points. I think we're going to see them, him hit that mark. Bold, bold strategy, Cotton. I, like I know. It. I like it. But, uh, I like it. Um, it's possible. And if the way that him and Nylander are, are clicking with Nick Robertson in the fold, if they're able to find that consistency throughout the whole entire season, yeah, you're going to hit your stretches and your lulls, but if they're able to come out of that and still show their, that they're willing to make plays, so be it. I, I, I'm a firm believer in this line. And that's why they're, they have the chemistry down pack. They have the work ethic, the smarts, um, and they just know where everybody is. Even with Robertson in his um, uh, preseason when he was playing with Nylander, they were feeding off each other very well. So the fact that that chemistry is building right now and it's getting more traction, that's a good uh, plus for the Maple Leafs. Well, with predictions like that, it won't be long before you're on ESPN, the Ocho. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, no, but I mean, realistically, like if, if you look at it, Alex, it, since Robertson's come up, these guys are a point a game. You got Tavares eight points in seven games. You got Nylander seven points in seven games. You got Nick Robertson three points in three games. Combined, they've put up nine goals between the three of them um, over that span. What do you what are you taking away from this second line? And what's working? And and is this a second line that we could you know once things start flowing for that top line, might be one of the most dominant second lines in the game. I don't want to be a negative Nancy. But I will believe that when I see it, because in the past, it seems like whenever Matthews and Marner are on one, the second line seems to struggle a little bit Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Like it's been very rare in the past when we've seen both of those lines firing on all cylinders at the same time. Having said that, if the Leafs can unlock that potential this year, and who knows, maybe um, Nick Robertson being on that second line will, will lead to that, then yes, it'll be exciting to watch. And it could be one of the best second lines in the entire league. But I just need to see how they do throughout the course of the entire season, or at least into, say, like December. Because as of right now, they are doing incredible. And you know what? I, I, I know that I say that, you know, they have a tendency to kind of not, I won't say coast, but like they have a, they have a tendency to not play quite as well when Matthews and Martyr are, are on one. Um, that being said, William Nylander is another year older, another year stronger and a little bit better this year. And John Zavars, like we like we just talked about this entire time, is also on another level this year compared to where it was last year. So these versions of Tavares and Nylander, I'd like to see how they do because um, especially, like I said, if you put Robertson on that left wing and he's a guy who so far, I mean, he's it's been a small sample size, but he's got three points in three games so far. And I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe he continues to add on to that. But either way, Robertson looks like he looks like a good part of that line. He looks like he's really gelling with them. Like you said, Peter, he was right involved on that goal. William Nylander's goal against Vegas. So I, uh, I do think that if they keep it up, they, you know, they'll have one of the most dominant top sixes in the league. There's no other way to put it, but in the past it's there, there haven't really been too, too many times. And both of those lines have been just to completely on one. So I'd like to see how it works out, but I, I, I am optimistic given how good Tavares has been this year so far. And same with William Robertson. The thing I love about Tavares this year is that you're seeing more of like almost a Thomas Holmstrom type of game where, you know, mm-hmm. he parks himself in front of that net and, and the way that he's his ability to tip the puck is like no other. 
Um, and, and you've seen players like I, I remember we saw, you know, even in Toronto, um, James Van Riemsdyk used to stay out and practice and just tip pucks for like an extra, you know, 20 minutes. John Tavares just sees the puck so well through that crowd that he can park himself there and get his stick on it. And that ability there is, is so, so precious, especially on the, the power play where you can, you can fire those, those perimeter shots out into the net and you're going to get opportunities high danger opportunities with John Tavares there. That's what's changed in his game for me. That's made him so successful. Um, and, and the thing with the Leafs right now is they are the, the problem is they're getting a lot of shots, but it is a lot of perimeter shooting. And I think that's what you're seeing with the top line is you're seeing Matthews Marner uh, bunting who, you know, obviously we'll see how he fits in on the third line tonight. Um, they're getting a lot of outside shots. Those high danger opportunities came a little bit more in the last game um, against Vegas, but obviously still couldn't buy a break, but you're not going to score from the outside nine times out of 10. I mean, unless you're Austin Matthews and you know, his, his numbers, I mean, look at the shooting percentage and that'll dictate, you know, he's just, he's just not getting the breaks, but you talk about the other two players, you, you keep shooting from the outside. You're not going to have successful years. And it goes back to what Alex was saying for both of these lines to get going and, and be on the same page and be successful at the same time and have, you know, maybe the best top six in the league. They have to, they have to get those high danger inside opportunities in the slot down low by the, by the, you know, uh, each post. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, look at John Tavares's first goal of the year, office, office skates and in, right. So Consider it. Um, I, I love what I'm seeing from Tavares so far. I love what I'm seeing from Willie so far. Willie's having a hell of a year. Like his shot is just like no other. Um, playing really well. Once once that top line gets going, we'll see what happens. I think I think the move to get Kerfoot up there is really more of a showcase move. Um, see what he can do. See see if we draw some interest. See if we can buy up that cap space. That's so what that's going to be. There's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a very good chance that Kerfoot and Hall do not finish the year with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I can see that. Not as bold as 80 points for Tavares, but <laughs> I, I personally, I actually love the 80 points for Tavares. I think that's a mm-hmm. great prediction. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see either of those two guys finishing the year, uh, especially with Lilligren coming up, as we mentioned. Um before we jump over to anything else, we did mention that the Leafs do play tonight. And with that, hockey is back. And with it, so are our Maple Leafs. Getting ready for a night out or of, sorry, a night out or watching the game at home with the gang. What better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at Indie Ale House in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay and Bloor. The Biroteca location, they have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer, also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Keelan Dundas, with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning your game night. You can find Instigator IPA and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag live indie is the motto. Adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream Pilsners and easy drinking options. Indie Ale House is the go-to for game day. 
Visit www.indialhouse.com for more. And gentlemen, I you, you guys know me. I always, always sit down with a nice beer when I'm watching the game or usually when I'm on here with you guys. A little sparkling water tonight to, to keep it kind of uh, PG. Keep but it fresh. You know? Keep it fresh. I'll, I'll definitely be dipping into my Indial House uh, beverages a little bit later. But, uh, I, you know, check them out on Twitter. They they they're selling some great sweaters over there as well. Um, great sponsors. They're going to be with us the entire year. Uh, yes. and they'll hopefully be at, uh, the bottom line with us at some point in the year as well, as we continue our live broadcast from the bottom line, um, jumping to our last thing. I think we kind of touched on the first line struggles. I don't know if you guys want to get into that anymore. Um, I, I, I'm all I'm going to say is like, <laughs> You know what? And this is probably my my stupid fan bias taking over my rationality, but I really don't understand. Like, I understand wanting to shake things up, but you can see in those past couple of games how close Matthews and and, and Marner are coming. Like, they're literally like literally millimeters mm-hmm. away from from breaking mm-hmm. their droughts, and they're, it's hard to even call them droughts because they've got like what five and six points a piece. So like, they're still producing. They just neither of them are scoring. And even in the even in that game, Alex, against Vegas, you know, they had the best, you know, uh, scoring and uh, not scoring chances, but like shot attempts, 60%, but only eight were on net. Yeah. And that still led most of the least in that category. So, yeah, they so are getting their see, chances. So when you see the top line on the cusp of breaking out like that, I don't understand how you can look at them and be like, you know what? I know what these, these guys need. Alex Kerfoot. I just, I don't know. We'll see how it goes tonight. I don't hate swapping the lines around i guess like it's not the worst thing to do after that game against vegas on monday but i just wanted to get that out of the way mm-hmm. why 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 kerfoot like come on I, I, mean, I again this is probably me galaxy branding but i would I, I you don't want to mess with success with that second line but why not try nick robertson at some point yeah i mean my only my only issue with robertson and maybe he maybe he'd prove me wrong i and i i happily eat my words if he did is that I don't know if he's that guy that you need to mm-hmm. go in the corners and get the puck. And that's what Michael Bunting brought. And I think Kerfoot can do the same, maybe to a lesser extent. But I just don't see Nick Robertson being that guy. I'm going to throw a quick number out at you guys. Mitch Marner, career shooting percentage, 12.1. He's at 7.7 this year with 13 shots. Um, Austin Matthews, career 16.1 shooter. Um, he's at 3% right now with 33 Ooh. shots. Michael Bunting, career 15.4. He's at 12.5 with only 16 shots. So when I look at those numbers, there's two things I'm seeing. One, the shooting percentage is obviously down, um, whether it's outside shots that aren't making it through um, or sorry, outside shots that, you know, are, are easily stopped, uh, low, low danger opportunities. That could be an, an issue or they're just not getting the breaks. And we all know that Matthews 3% is going to jump very quickly. And when it does, he's going to go on, on a, on absolute heater. But the other thing I look at is, okay, Matthews isn't getting it done. He's not getting the shots. He's not getting, you know, maybe he's not getting the breaks. That's where Marner and Bunting have to step up 13 mm-hmm. and 16 shots, respectively. That's not enough. It's not even close. And this goes back to where I was telling you guys about the perimeter shots. I forget which game it was the one right before Vegas. Um, Winnipeg. And Winnipeg. And every shot that I saw was an outside perimeter shot. Yeah. And it just, it, 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 I mean, you can get 35, 40 shots on net, but if you're, they're coming from outside along the boards, you're not going to, it's not going to happen. 
It's not going to happen. It's like, it's like playing basketball and going for a three every time you, you, you make it down the court. The only team that has ever been successful with that is, is the, um, the Golden State Warriors. And even then, I mean, look at them over the past couple of years. It hasn't been the same success that they've had. Mm-hmm. It, you, you, you can't get it done from the outside. It, it's simple. I just don't understand what it's with this team and trying to get those shots through the point. And even like when they have a chance to do it, they hold on to it and it gets blocked. Like, I just don't get it with the amount of skill that they have, the speed to go and attack the middle. They don't do that consistently enough. And that's why they get, and you, you know, you allude to the fact that, yeah, they're getting their bounce. They're not just getting their bounces for Matthews and Marner, but other teams are playing to them. They're keeping to the outside. And if you're a skilled player, just like them, you got to force and bully your way into those areas. You can't just sit on, like, sit back and just circle around and cycle on the outside. You got to attack the middle. You got to throw everything you can. And if it means charging at them and then ultimately getting uh, tripped, hooked, whatever, you draw a penalty. You force them to make that mistake. And then if they don't, they're allowing you in and you're going to get that prime chance because they know they're going to get penalized. So, they need to do a better job of attacking the middle, not just them, but even like the third and fourth line too, because they're, they're way too far out to do anything or anything impactful. They're a perimeter team right now. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. I want, I want to see I I would love to see a stat. And again, this is no hate on Morgan Riley, but I would love to see a stat of how many shin pads he shoots into on a nightly basis. I can guarantee you that, you know, if he had 10 shot attempts, nine of them are going into shin pads from the point. And that's, you're not going to be successful that way. You have to find a way to get the puck through. And if that means, hey, I'm not going to slap it here. I'm going to try and take a wrister. Then you take a wrister and you find the holes. Because otherwise the puck's going back the other way. And, yeah. and you know, that's that's where the mistakes happen. So, I, I it, like you said, Alex, they're, they're a perimeter team right now. And, and you know, that's going to hurt them down the, down the long run if they can't find ways to get inside that, that opposing defense. But... With that, guys, like let's take a quick look at the San Jose game. Game, obviously, it'll be over by the time this is this is aired and, and people hear it. But just a quick run on on what we're looking for in the San Jose game, Alex. I'll throw it to you first. Yeah, just a bounce back effort. I mean, I think a lot of people were taken aback when they saw that uh, Eric Shogren is starting that game instead of Samsonov. But it's been since reported that Samsonov is feeling a little under the weather, so it's good that uh, it makes sense that Shogren's getting in here. Um, you know, I just, after, after hearing them uh, after, I'm sorry, I'm sorry first. <laughs> your, your little girl just let just made a big noise, right? In my left ear right there. <laughs> she agrees. I love that. I love, she, it's like, it's almost like, it's almost like she was, she was predicting my take. She was getting ready to react to it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Anyways. Um, yeah. So I, I just think that after these guys sat through the media ringer after losing to Arizona and losing to Montreal on opening night, both games where they played down to their opponent and very much should have won. You have a beautiful chance here to prove that you are capable of not playing down to your opponent, that you can go out, play at the best at the top of your game and beat a fucking team that doesn't have a single win yet. So, I mean, realistically, at least shouldn't have any problem winning tonight, but we know what they're capable of doing or what they're not capable of doing, I guess. And uh, sorry, my mistake. The San Jose Sharks ha- do have two wins. Okay. 
I would say, okay, I, so, okay that's so my bad. Never I was mind. Okay, I'm, feel, I'm feeling, I'm feeling way better now. It's I was thinking about the Canucks without a win, but right. still, they're still two and seven. So I think maybe two and seven. Yeah, they're so they're so they're very clearly a lottery yeah. team, and the Leafs so, should very much be able to beat them. If there's a, if we talked about San Jose not having a win, uh, I apologize too because I think I may have given you some bad information there. Forty-seven save shutout for uh, Kakinen and uh, Timo Meyer pots two, and Alexander Barabanov. Pots too against his yep. former club. Um, Sadly, that Timo Meyer getting two would be good for my fantasy team, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, sorry, Peter, your thoughts on tonight's game and what what we need to look for from this Maple Leafs team if they are in fact going to bounce back after a mediocre effort against the the Vegas Golden Knights. They have, I think, the third best odds to win the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup, right? Or something around there. They are at least the best odds, but I mean, yeah, obviously with their play, it's dot dip. But even bit. right now, I think I think I could have sworn before I saw KM on here. I think the Maple Leafs still have like a third or fourth or fifth best odds, whatever. You play like you're a damn Stanley Cup contending team right now. You have all the firepower. The San Jose Sharks, they like you said, Alex, they're basically in tank mode right now. They're they're gonna be a lottery team. And you you do not give them that ounce of space to fight back or do anything right now because, yeah, again, you know, you're always going to have those games where you're not going to be on it. But the Maple Leafs have been every single time not at their best when they're playing teams lower in the standings. So come out guns a-blazing. Top line needs to get going. Now's a perfect chance to pad those stats and get those numbers up and, you know, get back into the swing of things. Um. Also, I just want to see a good, consistent effort defensively. I mean, it's been a few games since we saw that. I think, um, you know, Ottawa and Washington were the last two games where we saw some good defense from the Maple Leafs. I want to see them not, you know, juggle the puck or like bobble the puck every single time it's on their stick. Like, you know, this is the first time they're playing hockey. I want to see them make crisp passes, smart decisions, and not get panicked with the amount of pressure that they're facing. Because I I don't know if you heard Cheryl Pounder's comments on Justin Hall in that first intermission where she literally called him out and said he can't handle the puck. He did not handle that puck at all. And, And you know what? It's a fact. And this is not just this game or the last game or anything else. We've seen Justin Hall panic with, under pressure with the puck on his stick. And if he wants to keep his face to his spot in the lineup, he's got to do better. Simple as that. Um, yeah, that those are my main two takeaways right now. Because until we see them actually put out a full consistent effort, uh, it's you, yeah, it, it's it's going to be fun, but not so fun at the same time. So my, my my three things I'm going to be looking for tonight, scoring from that top line. Big mm-hmm. time, big time, big time. I've said it. I've said it about five times on, on Twitter. I, I, I stand by it. I truly believe that you would not be going wrong if you took Matthews for two goals tonight. I truly believe that he's he's a man on a mission. The media is starting to itch at him a little bit, asking what's wrong with his slump. You know, why is, you know, what can he change about his game? So it's in his head. He's gonna want to. He's gonna want to come out with a bang. Two goals from Matthew to Matthews tonight. I think Peter, you're spot on. I think Justin Hall, from here on out, it's prove it time. If he wants to stay in the lineup when Lilligren comes back, 
now is the time that he needs to prove himself and he has to have a complete game. He cannot have any mental mental lapses in, in his own zone or anywhere on the ice for that matter. And then high danger opportunities. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it. We've talked about it. Perimeter team, you're not going to get it done that way. Even against a team like San Jose, the Leafs may be the one reason why certain teams don't get a chance at Connor Bedard this year because they're going <laughs> to get wins against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I, I say that, like, it, it pains me to say that because I, I truly believe the Leafs can win any of these games. But as Peter has so eloquently said, they play down to their opponents. And this is an opportunity for them to squash that narrative. So it, it's going to be on them. And, and simple as that, it's going to be on them. they got to get opportunities, high-danger opportunities. After the game tonight, go to Natural Stat Trick and take a look. It's going to be it, – that's what it's going to come down to. So for me, that's, that's what the takeaways are uh, heading into the game. Um, I don't know if there's anything you guys want to add to that, or we can jump to our last note here on the beautiful mullet arena. <laughs> One final thing. It's funny that you brought up high danger chances because the Maple Leafs are 18th in the league, 48.39. Colorado is ahead of them at 41.9, but guess who's 15th? San Jose, San Jose, San Jose Sharks, 50%. And so you, with, with that yeah. firepower, you can't have that. Like you can't if on paper, if you look at the Leafs lineup compared to the compared to the Colorado avalanche, I would argue that the Leafs have a better lineup on paper. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You cannot have, you cannot be middle of the pack, a lower end of the, of the league in high danger opportunities. When you have, you're not even talking about a top six, you're talking, talking about your, your, your top nine, mm-hmm. you should be able to find a way to get it done. And I mean, hell, if, if it means getting David Koff out there to score because you're 15 and 0 when he scores a goal, then do it. Yeah. Put the, put the guy in the ice and let him score a goal so that you know you're going to win. Bold, um, predi- bold prediction for me for the whole entire season. And this is a big, big bowl. But what if the Maple Leafs have a season like the Colorado Avalanche where they do completely awful, get a top five pick, and they take a maybe not a Connor Bedard, but let's say you're in that top three or four spot and you take. Leo Carlson, do you wait on Matt Faye-Mitchkov? Do you take Braden Yeager in those three, four, five spots? Peter, I hate to cut you off, but we should we should just tarnish that conversation before yeah. it even happens because the Leafs <laughs> would not do that. They would the Leafs, if they anything, won't. would make the playoffs by a hair and then get swept in round one or lose that, a game seven. That's true. That's true. That <laughs> or, is very or true. They no, would right. the playoffs or miss the playoffs <laughs> in the final game of the season. And, yeah. and finish to get draft like 13th or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Speaking of which, one more thing too. I We talked about like possible trade acquisitions on defense, possibly like who is one name in mind that you would want them. And I say, and, and I know we were probably going to get to this later, but who is one name in mind that you have that they could try and acquire right now. That isn't named Jacob Chikrin. I said, Scott Mayfield in a tweet earlier, Okay, six foot five, right-handed defenseman. And, you know, I, I map out this defensive core under the assumption that Muzzin's out long-term and the Leafs find a way to get rid of Hall. And I think at that point, you go Riley and Mayfield on the top pairing. Then you go Sandy and Brody and then Giordano Lilligren. And I think there's your defensive core right there. And it doesn't have to be Mayfield, but I, like, you know, earlier on when we were talking about bringing in a guy who can sort of replicate what Jake Muzzin brought if he's out, 
Mayfield doesn't Mayfield's not too too much of a physical defenseman per se, but he's big and he uses his frame to clear out the front of the net. So I think if you bring in a guy like him, a guy like uh, Connor Murphy from Chicago, Adam Larson from Seattle, um, maybe like a Artem Zub even from Ottawa, I think there are a lot of names out there, guys that can fit that bill. Cheaper guys that you know whether or not they have a year or two on their on their contract, just guys who can guys who can maybe clear the front of the net and just provide what Jake Muzzin is what what the Leafs are missing from the lineup now with Muzz. I, I honestly, Connor Murphy was the guy that I was going to mention. I, I mentioned him last year, um, 6'4", 212, 213, roughly. Um, big guy, former first-round pick. Also, he was born in Dublin, Ohio, and Dublin is probably one of the biggest cities I want to I want to visit in, in Ireland. So um, I, I would love to see Connor Murphy maybe, maybe fit in there. But, um, you know, I think you got to give the opportunity to Lilligren first and see what he does with it. And mm-hmm. – You've got you've got the pieces within the, within the within the team, you know. Um, hey, why not bring over a guy like Toby Niemela if you can? Yeah, <laughs> I know it's I know it's out of the question. I I understand it's like it's out, you know out of the realm of possibilities that he comes over this year. But you have you have the options within the organization. If you're gonna if you're gonna move Kerfoot, if you're gonna move Halt, move them for an extra piece up front. And and you've got you've got a solid four, even with Muzzin out of the lineup. You've got TJ Brody, Morgan Riley, um, Giordano, and then you have either Sandine or Lilligren, and you throw Jordy Bennon as your six. You have a solid back end. You have to give them the opportunities. And Lilligren got really good at the end of last season. So, you know, injury, injury happened. Let him let him run with it, see what he's got. I, when you were talking about that, I was doing research throughout the whole entire show of who is one name that I think that they could add. I'm just going to build this up right now. Um, oh, dear God, no. Um, well, I would say from him, uh, you know, making any cheap shots on the Maple Leafs, so maybe. But um, recently signed a 2.2 or three-year 2.294 AAV. Um, his elite prospects page says this is physical and will give that extra shot to his opponent opponent to leave a mark and an impression for the next time. A rangy two-way defenseman with imposing size and unpolished skating abilities uses his frame and reach to his advantage. But then again, that's in 2017. Someone who I think is he's on the third pairing right now, and I think maybe can try and get more ice time in the near future, find a team to get that opportunity. He's a left-handed shot, and that just basically describes everything that Jake Muzzin is. I don't think they're going to move him, but if I'm the Maple Leafs, I think you're going after Nick Haig from the Vegas Golden Knights. That's a, that's an underrated name. I like I, I like that. Nick Haig. I love Nick I. Haig. Loved him during his draft year. Aside yeah, from Timothy me Lilligren, me too. I wanted him. I wanted the Maple Leafs to try and draft him. He fell yeah. to the second round. But I think I wrote a piece on the Leafs should go after Nick Hag in the draft when I was at the combine. There you go. We're we're on the same page right now. Then I guess. But at the same time, right now, <laughs> Forbes, just... for, for a split second, I thought you said when I was at the convoy. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> well, I was in my, I was in my jacuzzi with my laptop. Yeah. Um, oh. Writing a piece on Nick Egg. <laughs> Outside Parliament Hill. <laughs> oh man! Uh, actually, they just called me to uh, to testify. Actually, so I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's my pick. And I know I said this about Good Zach pick. Whitecloud last year, how they may not be willing to trade him. I don't think they're going to be willing to trade him. But you know what? Given how he's been on the third pairing right now, I think he needs to still polish some things off. But if he's looking for that opportunity, left-hand shot, you can pair him with Lilligren. Maple Leafs 2017, seven, uh, 17th overall. So you get that 2017 connection right there, possibly. But both have that two-way game. Both have the speed. Not necessarily Haig, but the smarts, playmaking, physicality right now. So I think maybe that's something you look at. It's underrated. I know. I don't think it's going to happen. But, hey, it, it throws out the left spot. And you know what? You still have a little grin in your top four on the right-hand side. I don't write off the Golden Knights ever trading anybody. They that is true. The, yeah. They have the least loyalty in the entire NHL. Um, they would go and trade. They trade anybody. They trade anybody. And I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it is a business. You're trying to win games, but they've they traded away Nick Suzuki before he ever played a game for that that franchise mm-hmm. for Ma- Max Pacioretty. What they get for Max Pacioretty? Future considerations. They literally traded Nick Suzuki for future considerations. Yeah. So I think maybe if you're looking so, to try and find a team to fleece Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, it'd be a hell of a hell of a lifestyle for, for the, the half a year that you're there, but chances are you'd be traded within like 50 games. So um, anyways, talking about loyalty and, and uh, a great organization, let's throw it over to the Arizona Coyotes and Gary Betts, Gary Bettman's loyal servants of the NHL uh, as with their mullet arena, visitors dressing room and workout area or whatever it is um peter what are your thoughts like if you haven't seen it i'll i'll post it on on the uh the the our, our twitter page um but what are your thoughts on this this horrendous joke of a of a organization right now it, it's just embarrassing like, I know they want to try and put a positive spin on that, but if you're making all these this makeshift, like, dressing room right now, right when the season is happening, it, it literally, they're just grasping at straws. They're trying to find, like, little fixes to try and keep the Arizona Coyotes there. And this now has to be the lowest of lows because it does not look pretty at all. I think I saw a comparison that a junior C team has a better, you know, locker room than the Arizona Coyotes right now. And you're still playing in an arena of 5,000 people where they're offering, I think, $25 per ticket to students to try and come in. Like, there's a reason why they're not the most successful team, you know, monetary-wise in the league. This is why, because not even... Not even the like management or ownership is taking this seriously anymore. And I heard they were. I'm, gonna... I'm just going to stop there because I, I'm. It's it, 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 like how. Like I, how I heard, I heard they were going to um, write the visiting team's uh, locker nameplates on duct tape and black mark sharpie, and just hang it over like little bits of the uh, the tarped <laughs> the tarped room. Oh, that sounds um, fun. But Alex, that sounds like a pro experience. Alex, your thoughts, uh, probably bring an outhouse in <laughs> so they can, <laughs> anyways, uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on, on mullet arena? You know, maybe an unpopular opinion, but I actually am kind of intrigued about the whole thing where they're going to be selling $25 tickets to students in a section yeah. of their own. 
I think that could be really cool. And I've heard that they got a whole uh, drum line planned as well. So I'm not going to go out of my way to pretend that this whole thing isn't embarrassing because if you saw the picture, like there's no defending that temporary dressing room. I don't give a shit if it's temporary or if it's only there for four games. Like I dressed in nicer dressing rooms playing house league hockey. Yeah. For fuck's sake. Like I I, I have a nicer dressing room (laughs) for when I get, get ready for ball hockey. It's literally the fucking backseat of my car. Like it's just, it's just when you consider that an NHL team is going to be playing there. You, you you can't you can't justify it like there's no way to justify that and you know what but like i said i do think that the that the experience of playing at that college arena or even like being a fan in that arena could be underrated just with the fact that they're they're really trying to market it like a college experience which sounds funny when you're when you're when you consider that we're talking about an nhl team but in that sense, I do respect that they're trying to make the best of these circumstances because in reality, you know, the people that we're laughing at for this are the NHL and the, the owners of the Arizona Coyotes. We're not laughing at the the people on the, the, the game day designers for the Coyotes yeah. who are setting up the, who are trying to put together the presentation and the ones who rely on marketing the product. Like they're doing everything they can with what they have. So I respect that at least, but yeah, that, that temporary dressing room, it's, it, it it's honest to God worse than anything, uh, any dressing room that I've ever actually gotten ready in, which is, which says a lot because I never played higher than house league. So yeah, at it's first, uh, that's all I have to say about it. At first, when I saw the picture, I honestly thought they were just uh, setting up another backdrop for a uh, um, Gary Bettman uh, press conference, but I, <laughs> I figured, I figured he, <laughs> he's not having many press conferences after his last few. So, um, but no, honestly, like, what other team do you know in the NHL that takes a six game road trip to start the season because they're playing second fiddle to ASU to a college team? I, like realistically, that's, that's what happened. So Arizona started, started on the road for six games this year and, and you're already, a, you're already a shit team. Let's, let's be honest. You're already a shit team, but you started on the road sit for six games because you're playing second fiddle to, to, the college team that you're you're playing at their arena um it it just kind of you know just defines what the arizona coyotes are there anyways i was going to even suggest we should have um patrick brown on at some point just to kind of pump up the arizona coyotes because we've we've shit on them a little bit too much here on the podcast sometimes but uh great guy from the hockey writer or used Mm -hmm. to be with the hockey writers now with the organization um, might be a guy that we could get on and, and kind yeah. of pump the pump the tires on on the Arizona Coyotes talk, and talk, why... about, talk us off the ledge a little bit. Yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Explain explain why it's not so bad and why why there there are better days ahead. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe justify why some players would want to sign for as free agents down there. But you know you know what the oh, most hilarious thought just popped into my head. Can you imagine a Cinderella story this year where the Coyotes somehow make a playoff run? And they're playing. They're playing in the Stanley Cup final. Hosting the fucking Stanley they win the Cup. Stanley is, Cup. The Stanley Cup is inside of a college arena, waiting for five thousand fans. Hey, what would he be even better? Is a road trip down there for a playoff game and a pre-drink at oh. ASU. Oh yeah, that would uh. that would be phenomenal. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Uh, I'd I'd be arrested. Um, <laughs> Anyways, anyways, boys, anything else you guys wanted to talk about? Any, any big pieces you guys got coming out uh, before we close out our 100th episode? The only big pieces we got coming out are the, our guests that are coming up. We have quite a lineup. We have quite a lineup. And, and as soon as we lock down those next two as well, we're going to, we're going to tease those as well. But 
Alex, one of them is 80% locked in. 80% locked in. There you go. We'll take 80. As soon as we hit 95, we'll, we'll do a teaser. We'll do a yeah. teaser. But Alex, shout out to you. As uh, as I mentioned before we start recording here tonight, we're going to get Jay Rosehill on the show next week for episode 101. I mean, if you don't remember Joe, Jay, Jay Rosehill. Joe like Rosehill. Joe Rosehill. Joe, Joe, Joe Rosehill. <laughs> uh, he's, I mean, look up some of his fights on YouTube or hockeyfights.com. Like, this, this guy was an absolute animal. Uh, it's going to be a, an absolute hoot to have him on. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to this yeah. conversation. I've been pumping it all day on our socials. So um, again, Alex, great job on getting him on. And, and uh, folks, if you're going to, if you're going to tune in, definitely tune in next week for Jay Rosehill. Peter, anything you had before we close this out? Um, just a piece coming out possibly tomorrow most likely tomorrow about hall and even pierre engvall whose uh spots on the roster may be dwindling down because who knows what can happen at this point they those are two players that need to step it up and they need to step up big time beautiful 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 well gentlemen uh big week coming up halloween you both enjoy yourselves uh don't uh don't go too crazy um as always you can follow us on Twitter, Peter at P Barakini. You can follow Alex at A Hobson Media. You can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes. You can also follow the podcast at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S T I X I N T H E Six I X P O D. We'll be looking to do another live show in the next couple of weeks. Here, we're just kind of fine tuning all the details, but we'll be down at the bottom line again, twenty two Front Street. I almost said twenty two ju- Jump Street. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy, what a crazy wow. place that would be. Oh, 22 man. front street steps from the hockey hall of fame. Um, some big things happening down there as they get ready for the hockey hall of fame induction and uh, gentlemen, make sure you get everybody to follow us on our socials. We're going to do a little giveaway. If we can get to a hundred subscribers on YouTube, we're at 17, we're at 17. So we got a long way to go, but we're going to get there and, and we're going to do something for it. So keep pumping those um, as always check us out on any platform, check us out on any of the uh, any podcast platform as well, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, you name it, we're on it. Um, Apple Podcasts, we're there as well. Otherwise, make sure you tune in for next week. It's going to be a hell of a show. We got Jay Rosehill. And with that, thank you for tuning in to episode 100 of Sticks to Six.